0: Love, a podcast about marriage, family, and making peace with the people we live with. I'm Lori Leibovitch, editor of RealSimple.com. When Jill Blakeway, a licensed and board-certified acupuncturist, clinical herbalist, and founder and clinical director of the Inova Center in New York City, wrote her book, Sex Again, she found that, according to the American Medical Association, 40 million adults in relationships aren't having sex at all. Additionally, according to a study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, one-third of all women report a lack of interest in sex, with low libido being the cause of a large percentage of sexual problems." Jill, who also hosts CBS Radio's weekly podcast, Grow, Cook, Heal, and is also the author of Making Babies, is here today in the studio with me to talk about how women and men can recharge their libido as well as how ancient Chinese practices can aid in this process. Hi, Jill. Hi, Laurie. It's so good to have you here. So, Jill… Over the years, you've talked to thousands of people about their sex lives and your practice. And what do you find to be the biggest factors underlying women's loss of interest in sex? Well,
1: I think there are three things, Laurie. I think people are tired. They're just tired. They have these overstuffed lives with so much going on. And by the end of the day... The last thing they feel like is sort of getting their sexy on, <laughs> and they want to curl up with, with a book or just go to sleep. Um, so I think people are tired, and I think people are stressed, and that's different. Um, uh, stress makes us clench up; it makes us into little pressure cookers, and then it's hard to feel your body. Um, and, and on that note, if you're in your head, it's also hard to feel your body. And women tell me I, I start, and then I find I'm doing my to do list in my head while having sex, and um, we. We have all been there. We have all been there. <laughs> Anyone who says they haven't is probably lying. It's 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 hard to stay focused. And for women, particularly, sexual response um, depends on being focused. You have to feel what you're feeling. So if you're distracted by, oh, did I buy so-and-so for the kids' lunch tomorrow? <laughs> then um, it's hard to be in the moment. And, and the last thing I think, Laurie, is body image. I think we are bombarded with unrealistic images with a combination of surgery and Photoshop that make us feel bad about ourselves and women talk to me about the jiggly bit under their arm and things like that and um, it makes us not feel sexy.
0: P.S. yesterday my 12 year old was sitting next to me on the couch and thought it would be really fun to play with the jiggly bit on my arm which I told him he could never ever do again to me or any other human being and he was kind of astounded about why that was so horrible he's like it was fun. (laughs) (laughs) Why is the jiggly bit upsetting? Well the jiggly
1: bit is upsetting under your arm because you don't know that happens until you reach a certain age. Do you you. and suddenly you're like
0: goodness what is this <laughs> so you bring up three really good points you bring up exhaustion you bring up stress and you bring up body image so let's unpack those a little bit people are pretty exhausted at least in my world they are and i think it's really easy to say you need to get more sleep everyone needs to rest more i think that's a really hard thing to do especially for people who are raising families and working and and trying to you know eke out a living. If you can't get more sleep, is there a way to plan sex for times of day when you might be more relaxed or more awake? I think that I think you've hit the nail on the head, actually. I think you have to plan it.
1: And um it be if you're tired, it's probably because your life is overstuffed. And it's quite hard to find time. And so there never is a good time. And so you have to make it a priority. And to make it a priority you have to understand that it is a priority. That without sex you and your partner are really just glorified roommates in some ways, and that sex is more than just sex. It is, in fact, your energetic connection. And people tell me when, they, when they've when they stopped having sex and they start again, they tell me, you know, we, we did it, and I felt more connected to my partner for the rest of the day. And I so I think understanding that there is a huge benefit uh, to you, both spiritually, emotionally, energetically, as well as physically, from having sex means that you will actually prioritize it. And maybe you have to pack the kids off to the grandparents. You know, maybe you have to do that. And maybe you won't be having sex as much as you did when you first got together. But just making sure that that your sexual connection doesn't die in a busy life is, I think, really important.
0: One friend of mine, her solution, um, because she's always too tired to have sex at night, is to, they have a sex date on Saturday mornings when their kids wake up, they put them in front of the television, they lock the door, and that's their time, and they're both a little bit more awake and less stressed because the, the work week is, is over. And their kids are occupied and not going to come in because they're too busy watching television. I think that's an excellent idea, isn't it? You have to to do something like that. Um,
1: Daddy's going to give mommy
0: a massage.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Everybody watch cartoons. (laughs)
0: Um, When we're talking about stress, you mentioned that women often have their to do lists front of mind, and that makes it difficult to get into a sexual groove. What's happening with men? Why is it possible for men? to shut off stress and have sex and want sex more easily than it is for women. Well, we're just wired differently. So, so
1: men use sex as a stress reliever. Actually, it lets off a lot of pressure from the pressure cooker for them and their sexual response is much more on the whole, much more reliable. And so it doesn't require quite so much focus. But for us, orgasm particularly needs a little bit of focus. If you, if you lose your train of thought, you actually lose it, as you know, <laughs> you lose, you lose drag. <laughs> and, um, I don't think that's the same for men. So, uh, I I think we, it does require us to be more mindful. And in ancient Chinese medicine, we would say that that's the difference between being yin and being young. As women, we are more yin and more receptive. And men are more young and more aggressive. And so sex for them is a little bit more of an aggressive thing and therefore requires a little bit less, um, um, Thought. (laughs) And I don't know about you, but if I think I'm going to be interrupted, it's almost impossible for me to to focus enough to enjoy it. And my husband doesn't have that same worry. I mean, if we were interrupted, he would just stop, I think, and everything (laughs) would be fine.
0: (laughs) One of the other things that can get into women's way when it comes to feeling sexual or having sex, as you mentioned, is body image. I don't know... You know, and I've been a woman for a long time now. I don't know how we avoid that pressure. I mean, you mentioned Photoshop, you mentioned media images. We also have an entire, you know, now an entire pornography culture that is telling women and men what women are supposed to look like when they're having sex, how they're supposed to look when they're naked, whether they're shaved or not, whether they, you know, have fake or real Body parts. How can women cut through that cultural baggage to feel more accepting of their own bodies? Well, I'm glad you brought up porn,
1: Laurie, because I do think porn can be very destructive. When I was writing Sex Again, it was the first I'd heard of anal bleaching, and I was just shocked. I was shocked that people would go to those lengths and bleach their anuses. Um, but of course, they're paid to look a certain way, and porn sex isn't real sex. We do know that it's a very different. It's a performance based sex. It's not sex that's designed for enjoyment, actually. It's it's designed to be very visual. And so I think just making that separation in your head that this is a an entertainment of sorts and that isn't real sex. Those people aren't having fun, I don't think. Not much fun. It's work for them. And what we do in the privacy of our own bedrooms with people we actually love and are connected to is a very different thing. It's not a performance, I think, for most people. Most people aren't filming it. I know some people do. <laughs> but most people aren't. And I think if you ask most men, men are very visual, but they're not taking in all of you. And particularly if you've been together for a long time, they're actually not looking at all of you in the critical way that you think they are. They're looking at little bits of you that turn them on. And um, I think if you ask men, they're much less critical about their partners than we think they're going to be. I think they're also a lot less critical than we are of ourselves. I think that's absolutely true. I think we're projecting something onto ourselves that's very unrealistic.
0: You write in the book that while many women you spoke to found that they had lost their desire for sex, they didn't lose the desire to have the desire. That it wasn't something they were just comfortable letting go of. They actually wanted to feel desire. They just couldn't. What do you think? gives way to this misconception that women are never interested in sex as men are, that they just are kind of, you know, the, the long held, you know, Stereotypes of the frigid woman or the grumpy housewife who doesn't want to touch her husband. I mean, I, in my experience, women actually lament and really are sad about losing that part of themselves. But as you mentioned, all these other things like stress, exhaustion, children get in the way. I think, I think you're absolutely right. And
1: I think one of the things that women talk about amongst themselves, isn't it? Is that they want to want to have sex. They talk about it to each other. And, um, they probably should be talking to their husbands about it a little bit more. It becomes something of a habit or a a shutdown or a no-go area for a lot of people. But I know that women want to want to have sex again because they come to me and tell me, I wish I felt desire or, you know, and a lot of women tell me once I get going, I'm kind of into it. I just never think about it. And that's habitual. Then you just have to do it, actually. And I I usually tell people that. Obviously, if you're in a relationship that's a Abusive, or you have problems in your relationship, then this isn't good advice. But if your relationship is fine and you find that you're not having sex, you can make like a sneaker commercial and just do it. Uh, And um, (laughs) having sex leads to wanting to have more sex. It's like you remember, oh, yes, that's what it feels like.
0: You talk in the book about certain holistic practices, things that people can do for their bodies and their health and nutrition that can actually help with feeling a little bit more present in their bodies and therefore maybe feeling a little bit more interested in sex. Can you talk about what some of those things are? Well, I think acupuncture, I am an acupuncturist, and I do think that acupuncture is very
1: good for this because it wakes up the body. It, 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 it moves stagnation, areas of stuckness in the body, tight muscles, lack of flow of blood. And in order to have a sexual response, um, both women and men actually need blood flow. And so I think that's actually very helpful. I think some of the meditative practices, yoga, qigong, some of the meditative exercises are also really good because they teach you to stay present and to enjoy sex particularly as women as we mentioned being present is a a really important part of it and then I think something we haven't mentioned yet Laurie because we've talked so much about the emotional aspects of this and the psychological aspects is that some people's sexual desire goes down because of reasons that are physical and that's particularly true of women in their 40s and 50s perimenopause is a time of quite a lot of estrogen dominance and Low progesterone and sometimes low testosterone. And so people have hormone imbalances that, in fact, stop them having sexual desire, or they start to have hormone imbalances going into menopause that make sex uncomfortable and, you know, vaginal dryness, that kind of thing, vaginal soreness, vaginal atrophy, which is a word that strikes oh terror. My God, into that is so terrifying.
0: <laughs> just, uh, my eyes just got really wide, audience, and I'm. Shaking a little bit. It's absolutely true. I just watched her do that. The the words (laughs) vaginal atrophy usually make us all go, oh,
1: goodness, that too. Uh, That's what we have to look forward to. But those things can be handled. And I think the best way to handle them, if you're not having extreme problems, is to handle them herbally to start with. Once you start messing with hormones, it's very specialized. You need to find someone very, very good. As you know, when we gave women estrogen, um, just unfettered, handed out estrogen like candy, breast cancer rates went through the roof. So. I think um, a herbal formula, just a gentle herbal formula, is sometimes really, really helpful. And it shouldn't be underestimated that that you should look for the underlying imbalances, particularly hormonal imbalances, particularly if you're a woman as you get older.
0: And Jill has recommendations in the book about good herbs. Sorry, I'm not going to say the English herb. <laughs> but good herbs that uh, women can look to for some help with that. Jill, what are some of the? On the flip side, what are some of the health benefits of having sex?
1: Well, it's a great stress reliever. It's also very good cardiovascularly. It balances hormones. There is, there is evidence that it balances your hormones. And a happy relationship is the foundation of a stress-free life, I think. And so it's a, it's a good thing to invest some time in.
0: How do you define good sex? Well, I
1: think anyone should shy away from defining good sex, actually, because what, what it's a highly individual thing. So, what what you find to be good sex may not be what someone else finds to be good sex. But I do think that good sex involves connection. It's not just the porn sex we see um, uh, endlessly everywhere these days. It it is, in fact, sex that involves some energetic and spiritual and emotional connection with another human being. And I think you we'd be surprised by how much men. Would agree with us on that too.
0: I think when we get into words like spiritual, it becomes a conversation that needs more definition, especially for our Western audience. So, can you talk a little bit about? I mean, I think your experience with Chinese medicine and yin and yang and the mind body connection really could speak to that. So, could you talk a little bit about the connection that happens is, as a Chinese medicine practitioner when a couple is having sex? Well, to us, if, if if a man and a woman are having sex, this is the uniting of yin
1: and yang. And that creates a whole. And if you think about it, sex is one of the very few times where we can experience a sense of oneness with another human being. There is a point during sex where you start to forget who who's what, where you begin, and the other person ends. And it's a very a very beautiful moment, actually. And it's actually, I think, the moment that women are looking for when they say, I want to want to have sex again. It's not just orgasm. They're looking for that feeling of oneness that is so profound and lasts probably just a few seconds. And I, that, I think, is part of the spiritual nature of sex. We don't experience oneness very often. I believe we are all one at, at some level, all of us, and that we forget it and we're individuated and we start to get combative and we've forgotten that we are in fact all one, we're all aspects of the same thing. And if you do have any kind of spiritual practice, you would say that we're all, I would say, we're all aspects of spirit in some ways. And I think sex, whether you believe in that or not, is one of those times when you experience that kind of connection and it feels good.
0: You in the book include a six-week program for wanting to want sex again. Part of that, you know, for people who have lost their spark. And, you know, as we all know, in long term relationships, you're always sort of chasing that feeling that you had at the beginning and wondering why it doesn't exist. But, you know, with real life and the passage of time, we all know that that diminishes. So could you talk through a little bit about what your recommendations are for people in this six week plan and how they start make, you know, I think one of the things that you focus on is like, You have to do it. Like we can't – you can't talk yourself through a sex rut. Like you have to actually have sex. You can't just think about it. No. (laughs) Or or talk about it to your therapist. You know, you have to really deal with your partner physically. So – can you walk us through those six weeks? Well,
1: that's why I designed a six-week program. And the first thing I'd like to say is that it doesn't have to be all done in six weeks. Mm-hmm. I designed a six-week program because I thought anything else sounded a little overwhelming. And it <laughs> I is, would agree. It is just sex, you know, a sort of six-month sex <laughs> program. So Sounds like you'd, you'd give up before you started, I think. So I, I made it six weeks. But you can spin these six weeks out. And I've had lots of people do this program from relatively young college students to a couple in their 80s who made it into a 14-week program which seems sensible uh, to me. (laughs) And so you can take it a little slower. And what I did, Laurie, is I took some ancient Taoist exercises. The Taoists were the root of Chinese medicine um, many thousands of years ago. It's more of a philosophy than a religion. um, And it's all about being one with nature and being harmonious and in balance with yourself and other people. And it turned out that the Taoists had quite a lot to say about sex. And much of it was still very relevant. So I, I admittedly cherry picked through these ancient Taoist texts, some of which were found in a temple in China in the 1970s and were thousands of years old. And so I, I read them in translation and then I cherry picked through to find things that my modern patients would want. And I really went on this hunt to solve problems for real people in my clinic, the Inova Center here in New York City. I wasn't intending to write a book, but then I found these wonderful exercises. There's an exercise called The Loop, which is all about spreading sexual energy from your pelvis through your whole body. And the ancient Taoists um, taught that if you learned how to do this, you would have whole body orgasms instead of just genital ones. And so I had known this. I learned this in Chinese medical school. I never tried it for some, uh, I don't know, too busy, too Too tired, too stressed. (laughs) Never tried it. And then I started to read these books. And I realized, oh, this is a a meditative practice. It's a Qigong practice. So did you try it? uh, Yes. And um, my husband was like, why didn't we do this earlier? Um, So what does that look like? Well, what you do is you, um, it's a meditation to start with. And in the book, I teach people to do it very slowly. So you start by creating a little loop of energy on your own, um, in your own body. And then further on in the six-week program, you learn to synchronize your breath with your partner and create a loop that goes between the two of you. And then you learn to do it during sex with synchronized breathing. So you breathe in, he breathes out, you create the little loop. It sounds like quite the the mission, but it is actually a very, very useful exercise and and fun to work at. And what have people reported
0: back about it.
1: People love that exercise. And I think because we taught it very slowly in the book. And so we just did it in layers. You learn to loop on your own, you become a bit of an expert looper, then you teach your partner to loop. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's actually kind of a fun little journey. But there were lots of things like that in the Taoist text. There were a whole section, and you've got to think this was written thousands of years ago, yeah. about thrusting and different types of thrusting. And so men were taught to thrust um, three shallowly and then three deeply. And Things like that. For what? What was the reasoning behind um, it? I, I, it was meant as a sort of discipline. Okay. But what's interesting about it is that it is actually very enjoyable. Men last a little longer because they're focusing on the counting. <laughs> they have to do a number of different types of thrust: shallow and deep thrust. And women get a little bit of unexpected pleasure. You know, <laughs> if you know what's going to happen, it's not quite the same. Um, and so the shallow thrusts make you wait for the deep thrust. If you see what I mean. And so I found that these ancient Taoist texts, um, sex exercises, really, thousand-year-old sex exercises were really very... relevant. Well, of course, because, of course, sex, if you think about it, is the one thing that hasn't changed in 2,000 years. People are presumably still having sex exactly the same way as they always did. They're not anal bleaching. They weren't <laughs> anal bleaching back in the day. <laughs> and they didn't have exposure to porn. But presumably, sex yes. has not changed a great deal because there's only... There's a limit to how much... How many things you can do. In fact, when I was writing sex again we realized we we did we took the ancient positions there are ancient positions and they call things like the cicada and things that are very unsexy and I kept their names because I thought they were hilarious and I thought it was fun to say shall we do the cicada tonight <laughs> let's do a tiger um, but but in fact there are uh, there aren't that many positions there it, there are only so many
0: positions human beings could have sex in uh, I realize <laughs> so your um, husband Noah is also uh, an acupuncturist and he actually wrote a little bit in this book about men and what they can do both to sort of help their partners and help themselves. Can you let's channel Noah a bit and what would he say about these ancient practices and also the six week plan? And, you know, this book was, I think, mostly written for women. That's who you see in your practice. But what can men glean from it? We were absolutely right. I
1: wrote this book for women, and I wrote it for the women who come and see me originally. And it wasn't even going to be a book to start with. I, I gathered this advice for women. And when I got to the end of the book, my editor said, it's a little female, this book. And I thought, well, yes, of course it is. I'm a woman and I'm writing for women. Um But she had a point. Of course, it takes two here. And so we enlisted Noah to give a male point of view. And to start with, to be honest, when he read everything, his point of view was do this and you'll get something. I'm um, literally, I, he was supposed to write a little thing at the end of every chapter. And he was like, well, uh, you know, I guess meditating on sex is a good idea if you end up having sex. Right. Um, but <laughs> that
0: but, was his sales pitch to that, the men. Well, that was his sales pitch to himself,
1: <laughs> I think. Um, but I think um, one of the things that he was able to focus on was that very sort of male experience when it comes to understanding the woman in your life and not being combative about it and being on her side and that kind. Thing. And I think I think that comes across in the book. People like the he says sections. There's one at the end of every chapter. And it's really Noah's commentary mm-hmm. on, on what that's like. And I did make him road test everything in this book, which he actually, I have to tell you, rather enjoyed.
0: I was going to say that that was <laughs> probably not research he minded. <laughs> Participating in. Let's go back to the six week plan. What are some other elements that you talk people through besides looping? Um, <laughs> and what are, you know, just give us a little preview of what people would expect if they were to buy the book and, and get started. Well, some of it, Laurie, is really very simple, like bringing
1: kissing back. Uh, people tell me the whole time, you know, I come home, I kiss the kids, I kiss the dog, uh, you know, if my <laughs> husband's lucky, I give him a peck on the cheek. Um, kissing goes uh, mm-hmm. somewhere along the line in the middle love. Uh, Who has time to kiss? Right. Well, apparently that that <laughs> is the problem. But we all have time to kiss. And so I am um, part of, you know, it's something as simple as um, remembering to kiss every day. And what we say in the book is longer than it takes to sneeze. We're not expecting you to, you know, <laughs> so
0: sad. as we say
1: in England, snog. We're not <laughs> expecting you to make out for hours on end, although I think that would be a lovely idea. <laughs> but uh, for longer than it takes to sneeze, remember to kiss your partner every day intentionally intentionally. And um, I it, so a lot of the advice is not necessarily sexual. It's just about connection and reinforcing your connection.
0: So we've talked a lot about people in long term relationships. How does your um, sort of your plan and your your thoughts on sex apply to single people who might be lacking in desire or lacking in partners how can they rekindle their own sexual desire well there is a separate six-week
1: program for people who are on their own um it, it Just because you don't have a partner doesn't mean that you're not sexual or you stop being sexual. And in fact, the beginning of the six-week program for couples is about you re-exploring your sexuality on your own. Uh, And so there is a full six-week program that is about you getting back in touch with being a sexual being. And it takes you through the the same things as you would with a couple, but on your own.
0: Jill, thanks so much for being on the labor of love today. Thank you, Laurie. Jill Blakeway is the author of Sex Again. Thanks so much for joining me today on The Labor of Love. Email me your questions, comments, and suggestions for topics and guests at tlolpodcast at gmail.com. I'd like to thank our producer, Kristen Meinzer, and our editor, Tim Einenkau. If you enjoyed the episode, please review and subscribe on iTunes, where you'll also find more podcasts from Real Simple. You can subscribe to The Labor of Love at itunes.com panoply or at panoply.fm. I'm Lori Lebovich, and I'll see you next time on The Labor of Love.